Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of my podcast, I Stand Strong. I am, as always, I am Teddy, coming at you from my bear cave in the concrete jungle, the beautiful Northwest. Um, yeah, last week I talked about my my feelings on remakes, um, really kind of focused on, mostly on uh, horror movie remakes, because I tend to see more of those than I do of remakes of regular movies, but... Um, and just just a little quick thing, if you know, I, I recently saw the 2021 version of Candyman. I really liked it, but it's not a remake like I thought it was. It's more of a direct sequel to the original one. So with that out of the way, uh, today I am going to talk about comic books again. Yay! Um, but this one I'm going to get into my feelings on DC versus Marvel because it's always been an argument over which one's better DC or Marvel. Well, I really don't think there's a wrong answer. Um, I lean towards Marvel. I have a lot of friends that lead more towards Marvel, but you, there's really some good stuff out of DC. Um, I have a few friends that like DC and I mean, there are books that I legitimately like through DC, but for the most part, I'm a Marvel guy. Um, maybe it's the fact that they have Thor and Thor is my favorite. So it's like, you know, they, they're, I'm kind of uh, impartial on that aspect. But um, so, yeah, I think I'll go with, uh, I'll, well, we'll get into this. Um, for starters, we'll get into, you know, the differences that DC and Marvel take to giving origins to characters um, with... DC, it tends to be more of the the supernatural slash, you know, fantastical almost as far as the creation of the characters. I mean, Superman's an alien from another planet that Earth's red sun or yellow sun gives him the, gives him his powers. You know, it, there's something about his physiology that it gives him the ability to originally just jump really high, but now fly, shoot light beams out of his eyes and whatnot. Um, or Batman, who's just a, you know, a, a guy who watched his, his family murdered in front of him and it scarred him to the point that he decided he wanted to take that, the anger he had out on the, you know, on the people, the, the, criminals and make sure this never happens to anyone else um or you know green lantern who's a you know gets a a powerful a ring that gives him superpowers you know kind of thing um you know allows him to construct anything he can think of where marvel tends to be more of a more uh natural thing like almost like a it's, it's evolution almost i mean look at uh you know, the mutant, you know, uh, X-Men, the mutants, they're, it's just the next step of evolution in humanity or, you know, Thor's a, a, an interdimensional God by their standards. You know, he's, he's an interdimensional, interdimensional alien. Who's just was they, you know, his race was revered as gods to primitive man kind of thing. Um, so yeah, you have these very different things. I mean, you know, in Captain America, he was, a you know, he was uh, uh, your average guy, but then he, you know, lack of a better word, he was given, like, you know, a special steroid that made him, you know, who he became. And, 
there's like I said, it feels like it's a more of a naturalist approach. Like you know, it's like everything comes from a more more natural place. I mean, other than you know, you got Tony Stark, who's practically the Marvel version of Batman. I mean, guy who has infinite amount of money decides he you know he wants to. I guess instead of you know punishing criminals so that nobody else goes through the same pain he went through, his is more of a he realizes his family has a horrible legacy and he so he wants to use that technology they have to you know fix that you know to like to fix the world instead of destroying it anymore. Um, I'm trying to think of the other you know big Marvel characters that really kind of. I mean, a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them seem to be pretty, pretty natural creations. I mean, you know, it, it's, and maybe that's the difference is like, you know, like, I, and maybe it's also because I feel like Marvel, you know, a lot of their characters when they were started were very much, you know, like X-Men, I, I don't see how it's not a, a analogy for, you know, race. I mean, if you look at some of the earlier x-men stories it really seemed like there was a lot of a lot tying into like how you know the social they're not social the civil rights movement kind of thing you know i mean by nowadays standards you could look at the x-men as being an an analogy for you know the lbgtq uh, community because you know they're still kind of unfairly seen as this thing that's not, you know, that's not right. So they don't, they, they shouldn't have the same rights. Well, it's kind of what they do with the mutants at the beginning of X-Men. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of the difference is, you know, like I said, you know, you kind of got supernatural compared to, you know, a more naturalist approach. I mean, you, you have both sides have their kind of exceptions to the rules. I mean, you got Dr. Strange and Marvel and that's very supernatural. Um, can't really think of any uh, oh you know green arrow if you look at his his origin at least the better version of his origin he's just a guy that was stranded on an island and he was forced to you know he was a overly privileged person didn't know how to def- protect himself and then he learned to forage for himself and just you know out of necessity learned to shoot a bow and arrow and you know, as long as you, you stay away from the trick arrow stuff, don't get me wrong. I love me some of the fun trick arrows. Like a boxing glove arrow is hilarious to me. But the, I really think that the better green arrow stuff is the more grounded, uh, like kind of what you see at the the first season of Arrow on uh, CW or, you know, the Andy Diggle uh Green Arrow Year One is a great story, and that's one where they kind of re- did reboot his franchise and not really, or his reboot his story and not make him just a another attempt at a Batman. Um, but they made him more of a realistic thing. And then you got Longbow Hunters, where you don't have the trick arrows; you only have him using legitimate arrows, and it kind of starts questioning the the values of him. You know, like he's possibly killing people. You know, I mean, how does that affect? Is he really a hero if he's killing people? I mean, he's trying not to. But Longbow Hunters really kind of gives you a little bit of a walking that line moment. But um, so that gets that gets into the origin difference of characters. Um, uh, 
Um, then you can get into like, you know, the other difference between them is in, and this could be, I guess this could be seen as a difference between people is with Marvel. They tend to put it most of the time in the real world. I mean, the, the X-Men are in upstate New York kind of area where, um, you know, then you've got, you know, the Avengers are out of, I want to say the original one was probably, I'd say in the New York area. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, Peter Parker, he's, he's Queens and, uh, uh, Steve Carter is from the Bronx. I might be mixing those two up. Um, but you know, you get those. You get those the, the more realistic existences. I mean, hell, uh, for a long time, uh, Thor was in uh, Thor recreated Asgard above Broxton, Oklahoma. I mean, that's not really a very uh, you know that's not a real fancy place, but it, it is a real world existence. Um. But then you get into, you know, I mean, then you get into D.C. where you have Metropolis, Gotham. Um, was it, uh, oh, I can't remember the the one that, like, you know, I, I, I can't remember all the cities. But, you know, they make up their own places except for every once in a while, like where you had uh, the Teen Titans were in San Francisco. That was one of the few times I can really think of off the top of my head where they really flat out said where these you know like a real city but yeah like metro and then the other thing is like the question you know then then you get into the argument of dc of like where are all these places because you know they they make reference to metropolis is this big city but it almost looks like new york but then again when you get into gotham it looks like new york so which one's really which i mean um until you get into the show like Smallville where they make it so that basically Metropolis is just this big city and somewhere in Kansas. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, so, so the kind of the, the, I remember there was a, a joke for a while there that basically both Metropolis and, uh, Gotham were the same city just at different points in time. Cause you know, Superman's almost always during the day. So it's like this big, big sparkling, beautiful city you know during the day but then it becomes gotham when it hits night because then you got the grittier side of the same thing i mean given they're not actually but you know it it it's kind of a fun little thought process um and yeah i really feel that to me the the setting it in the real world makes it a little more a little more easy to, to, you know, to get into to me with the Marvel. I mean, don't get me wrong with the DC. I, I get the reason to make fake cities because, you know, it makes it more fantastical. You know, you're not, you're not trying to think, well, that's funny. I don't go into, I'm not walking into New York and seeing a, a kid flinging around dressed as dressed in red and blue by, you know, flinging himself around by spider webs and stopping crime. I mean, so I, I, I see the appeal on it, but once again, I, I kind of like the fact that they take Marvel takes the real world and they just put their fantastic spin on it, you know, little fantasy spin on it. Um, 
But so that kind of gives you, you know, an, another edge to one side. Once again, I feel it goes to Marvel, but you know, I c I can see your arguments for DC. Um well, yeah, let's get into the bit the big the two main teams, I guess you could say, from from each side, you know, Justice League and Avengers. Um to me, I'm I'm just gonna put it out there from the start. Batman in the Justice League makes no sense. Um except for when you read the Tower of Babel storyline, because that is the only one I feel accurately portrays Batman's paranoia level in that situation. Um, you know, the fact that Batman is this guy who really doesn't trust anybody. I mean, he even makes it clear. He doesn't even really trust Clark slash Superman much. Um, but he, you know, so you get into Tower of Babel where it's like basically his plans on if any of the Justice League were to ever, you know, break bad, so to speak. This is how he could stop them and that being used against them. That is very accurate for who Batman is. Where him just, you know, jumping into the fray as this, you know, this guy that's just got a bunch of gadgets in there amongst an alien with superpowers, uh, an Amazon, an Amazonian princess that, you know, can deflect bullets with her bracelets and is once again, super powered. You know, you put him in there with the flash who can, I guess it's not really, he runs fast or something to a speed force. I've never read the things to get deep enough into knowing what the difference is, but it's, it's more of like a bending reality around him from what I've understood or green lanterns, you know, once again, intergalactic powers can construct anything he wants with his mind. Martian Manhunter, Once again, another alien, alien being, um, Aquaman, the you know king of Atlantis, uh, who kind of gets a bad rap, but that's another story. Um, and then you know, but so it, to put Batman in there just doesn't feel right, except for in the right stories to me. Um, were the Avengers? I feel most of the Avengers stuff like given. I'm not a huge event like main Avengers book fan. I think I like some of this offshoot stuff more, but. You know, even the Avengers kind of seem weird at points. But at the same time, it's like I feel that they're at least a little more. Like, you, 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 I never feel like other than every once in a while, you know, I guess you could you could make the joke that Hawkeye, you know, he even makes a comment in Age of Ultron that why is he part of this team? You know, I mean, it. there, you know, there's people with amazing powers and here he is just a guy that can shoot these arrows that have different abilities but then you say the same thing about black widow who's you know just a, a super spy you know trying to atone for her her the sins of her past but um yeah i guess it just feels like to me the avengers flow better as a team you know i never feel like there's somebody on the team that doesn't really fit a hundred percent i should say because i'm sure if i dug deep enough I'd find people on that te on an Avengers team that I'm like why the hell were they there but um but in some aspects I'd almost give the edge to Justice League for for the I you know for the overall through, throughout the years I think they've had more of a iconic feel than the Avengers cuz 
until the MCU hit it big, I really don't feel the Avengers were as big of a thing as they are now. I mean, you throw in the MCU, you're getting into a whole other ballpark with the fact that, you know, they, you know, uh, Tony Stark was seen as a, a B, if not C level character until that first Iron Man movie hit it big. Um, then suddenly he was seen as this great character. And I, I remember, I remember reading some, uh, Iron Man stuff back in the day, but never really being really connected to it. Um, I really think some of his better stuff happened like before, just before I got really back into comics, you know, with the extremist storyline, which they massacred in Iron Man three, but that was like, you know, the beginning of his bleeding edge armor kind of thing where, you know, it was like built into him and his head was the, like the flight system for it. Um, and they make reference to the fact that, you know, like basically in that arc, they make reference to, he had to find a way eventually because at some, at some point in time, he's got all this technology in that suit, but it's just making it bulkier again, you know, but then, you know, he gets the extremist pro, you know, he rewrites the extremist like upgrade or I can't really remember what they describe it as, but it, you know, it's like a synthetic thing that builds the flight suit into him pretty much and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so that, well that, and then, um, to me the, the, the best sister arc to extremis would be, uh, most wanted or America's most wanted where he's on the run from Norman Osborn, who's now ru running, what used to be shield is now called, did he call it hammer? I can't remember what he calls it, but yeah, he has a, a new name for shield and he wants the, the list of mutants from, uh, or the list of superhero names from civil war that Stark has stored in his memory banks. And that's a great story of kind of like extremists. You see how far he goes into the, you know, into the future with his abilities where he's slowly going backward technology wise and wise and most wanted. And it's this great story that ends God, the end of that, uh, that arc has kind of a, heartbreaking moment for him but um yeah so I, I guess you know like you said i'd give i'd give the long-term uh iconic edge to justice league just because i mean the the comics i think the uh justice league comics have probably sold better than avengers comics till till more recently um i haven't done research so i might be wrong on that let me know if i am if you know um, and then you get into, you know, the, the Dini universe of, you know, the cartoon shows where Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Superman, the animated series, Batman, the animated series, all those things were huge. The Teen Titans cartoon show, you know, those, those all were like really, really popular things. So, you know. Really, I, I, it could be neck and neck, but I'd almost give a little bit of the edge just in the long run to the to Justice League as far as for their iconic nature. But, you know, I, I don't really read either one of the, the books of Avengers or Justice League religiously. So, you know, who am I to, who am I to say one's better than the other, considering I do not read them most of the time. Um... Okay, now when we're getting into DC, 
I'm going to just say that the books that really grip me at a DC are usually the books that have to do with like really lower tier characters. Um, like I am a big fan of Suicide Squad, mostly the newer ones. Um, I need, I really want to track down some of the older ones where it was more of a, it start what what it started out as, which was more of a just like a clandestine team that went into war zones. But like I really loved um, when they did the new Fifty Two, they relaunched the Suicide Squad, and it was way more of what you way closer to what you see in the movies, where it's the you know Amanda Waller running the team with bombs in their necks, and they're taking down superheroes slash or taking down supervillains slash doing more of a you know every once in a while doing a war you know, a war zone thing, but, um, God, I love the, that one. And they relaunched just outside of that run. They relaunched it again. I think they just called it the new suicide squad. And that one was really fun too. Um, but yeah, that's, those are the kind of books I like out of DC suicide squad, secret six, which I'm so happy has only ever been written by one of my favorite writers out of DC, Gail Simone. She's done, uh, God, I hope, if, if you can hear that, I'm sorry. They're mowing the, lar- the yard outside my window. Isn't that great? Um, but, uh, yeah, she she wrote this great story, Secret Six. And I think really the only major character she brought in to that run was Bane. And she did a really interesting take on the character Bane. God, I really hope you can't hear that because that is really loud. Why'd they decide to mow the yard right now? Um, especially when it's raining. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they they took she took Bane and she made it so he wasn't using the the venom anymore. He resented having to use the venom, so he tries to keep it normal. But then he also becomes kind of almost like a father figure to some of the characters on the team. Um, now, I may not remember all the team the team really well. I just can remember certain ones like, you know, Deathstroke was there. And I guess he's, you know, he could be seen as a, a popular character because, or not Deathstroke, uh, Deadshot. You know, he, he's been around, so I guess that's another one. But, uh, yeah, Deadshot, Bane, uh, Scandal Savage, who is the daughter of Vandal Savage. Um, Ragdoll, who was really obscure. Catman, who was a... Uh, a rather obscure Batman villain. Um, God, who else was on the, uh, I want to say black Alice was on there a little bit. And that was my first introduction to black Alice. And I really liked that character. And I wish somebody would do her right. Um, then again, I don't think they've ever really tried to do her in a, no, they haven't tried to really do her in a, a straight up comic or a movie yet. Um, but yeah, and it's just this group of people almost kind of coming together to kind of do the whole, you know, stop people before they become a problem thing. But at the same time, they're, you know, they're these villains. Um, and actually, there's a really great moment for Bane where he he is forced to use venom and it shows the world from his eyes when he's on the venom and explain to explain why he hates the venom formula anymore. Like why he doesn't want to have to use it. 
And that that comic series really made me start to fall in love with Bane. Um, so I like I've gone down and I've tracked like tracked down a lot of stuff of Bane later on just to find out you know to see more of what they did with him. And I really think he's kind of a one note character until Gail Simone did that kind of thing. Um, because she really played around with how intelligent he is and that kind of stuff. Like I said, then you get this great like father daughter relationship between him and Scandal Savage. Where he almost sees her as, you know, like I said, like an adopted daughter that he has to protect. But also throughout that series, man, you get some some twisted stuff. Cause I remember there's a point where Scandal Savage wants to go to hell and save the soul of his her girlfriend. Um, yeah, and I think there's been like three volumes of it, and all of them are great. The entire run is great. Gail Simone does not get the attention she deserves as far as being a writer. Um, and then Justice League Dark is the last one. And I, Justice League Dark is one of those ones that's definitely... Uh, a mileage probably varies with people on that one. Because to me, what makes that book great is the fact that it's these really obscure, like... Uh, like magic based characters. I mean the team is like Zatanna, John Constantine, um Shade the Changing Man pops up in there in like in the original run of it. And um thanks to uh the ex wife of the comic shop owner, um God rest her soul, she passed away like a year maybe two ago, but she introduced me to the, the character Shade the Changing Man. And he is just this weird character from, like, the universe of Mayhem or something like that. And he has a jacket that allows him to control Mayhem abilities or whatever. And it was just so weird. But the first arc of that series is almost an acid trip. But um, it was so cool. And they, they, they did a really good job at bringing him into this group. Probably because it was written by the same person who wrote the Shade the Changing Man run. Um, originally, um, but then, um, you get occasionally characters like Frankenstein, agent of fear or, uh, Madame Xanadu pops up in there a little bit. Uh, I want to say they brought in the kid from books of magic, which I'm not really familiar with hundred percent. I just remember it was really similar it's really similar to Harry Potter so I remember there were a lot of people who were I I want to say Harry Potter came afterwards so a lot of people were really getting upset and saying that JK Rowling should be sued by the creator of uh books of magic but it's different enough that I could see how they would uh they wouldn't be able to pull off a lawsuit on that one um I want to say his name was Tim something or other but then, like, Swamp Thing pops up in that team every now and then. I mean, it was just this really weird amalgam of characters. And not really are they actually good characters. For I mean, John Constantine, when he's written right, he's a he's a piece of shit. He really is. I mean, um, one of the best arcs that they did of the Constantine book, Hellblazer, he... Like, the whole story is about him, like, basically playing these different demons against each other because he knows he's about to die of lung cancer. And he knows none of the demons will let him die if they don't have 100% control of his soul. 
So he makes a deal to give his soul to like all these different demons. So now none of them will let him die. Um, so much so that he like he betrays like one of his best friends to let him die of of alcohol poisoning or essentially of alcoholism, so he can meet this demon and make the deal with him. And it, God, he's he's a piece of shit, but he's he's somehow lovable about it. Um, in some ways. Uh, and then the fact that she, you know, it, it, it really does kind of play with the whole Zatanna, John Constantine relationship, which I would kill for a book that was just about those two. But at the same time, I don't know if it would really sell very well. And I also don't know if it would really hold on for a very long run. I mean, it'd have to be like a limited series or something, but it, it, you know, that that's another book from DC. Like, so I, I guess the thing is like with me, DC, the best stuff comes out of their, 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 their lesser tier characters. Um, I've read a couple runs of teen Titans. I really liked, um, there was a short run where Dick Grayson was running a team called the outsiders that had like, you know, essentially a bunch of former teen Titans that were now all grown up and they, but now that and that series ran alongside a, a Teen Titans run that was pretty good. Um, where with if I go to Marvel, you know, I of course anything Thor, I'm I'm pretty much down for, um, including like uh, the there was a really good run um, called where they brought back the title Journey into Mystery, which is where Thor originally uh, debuted. But it was following Loki as a kid and like him trying to prove to everyone that he's not this horrible person that they think he is kind of thing. Well, spoilers, he's pretty much just as bad of a person as everybody thinks he is, but he's trying to do his best to rewrite his own narrative in a way. Um, but then... Um, Thunderbolts, uh, there's a really great run of a book called Thunderbolts, which later turned into Dark Avengers, and I really wish they hadn't to change that name, but, um, and it's written by one of my favorite writers, Jeff Parker. He's, he's local. I've met him a couple times and he's a great talk. He's great to talk to. Um, and I've got like a couple books signed by him, but he's really fun. And he wrote this, this run of Thunderbolts where, Luke Cage, it's basically Suicide Squad in the Marvel Universe, but it's Luke Cage is running, is like actually in the field with the Thunderbolts as opposed to the Amanda Waller, like, you know, staying back. And none of the members of the Thunderbolts have bombs in their necks. But, um, and it's really, you know, he runs this team out of the raft. And you've got these really different i mean it's it's a bunch of like you know they they do use for the most part some of this obscure villains but they also use some like i mean like juggernaut's been on the team um crossbones has been on the team uh i mean i guess if you get to the original the original thunderbolts was good don't get me wrong which wasn't written by jeff parker but the original thunderbolts was even it was a bunch of villains that really wanted to like they're their idea to take over the world was to change their names and become these superheroes and convince the world they were good so that people would start just rooting for them and then they could take over the world or something like that. And 
that was where they introduced like a lot of the like these like C tier characters and really made them compelling. I think the only I want to say the only character that was really a big name before that was oh god, uh Bar- Baron Zemo uh went by Citizen V or something like that was his character name when he w- joined when he started the Thunderbolts, but you had like a an Iron Man wannabe under the name. I think he was Mach 3. Uh, by the time, last thing I read with him in it, though, he's like Mach 6 or something like that because his armor is upgraded a couple times. But um, then Songbird. Uh, Songbird is probably one of my favorite characters that's come out of that series. And she still pops up with more modern Thunderbolts. Like her and um, her... I can't remember the tech guy's name that's that was on the group, and then Ma, the Mach three through six, whatever. Um, he pops up like as kind of like almost other team members that are kind of helping these newer members find their new path. Um, but she was in the original group too, and she was she was cool. I always loved her. I think her original enemy name was like, or a villain name was like screaming Mimi or something like that, which never understood. Um, but she's, she's kind of like a black canary kind of thing. Um, but yeah, the Thunderbolts, man, that was, that's an awesome run. I mean, especially with the Jeff Parker run. Cause I mean, you had, uh, you had man thing was like the way they transported themselves. But then like you said, juggernaut was in there. Um, there's a great character named Ghost that they did kind of introduce into the MCU. They changed the the story a lot by making it female, one female, and how she got her powers is totally different in the 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 comics. Um, but she it's it's a it's a guy, and I don't think you ever really hear his legitimate name because he's just always known as Ghost, and he started out as a a villain for Iron Man. Um, but yeah, it was this, it's this great book, and maybe it's maybe I just like rooting for the the villains that are trying to be heroes. You know, they're trying to they're trying to fix where they're at, and they're not really perfect. They're flawed, and maybe I I like the reality of that. Um, let's see, what are some of the other? Uh, they've they've done some good stuff. I mean, both sides have done some good good side books, but I. I it's kind of weird that I do tend to like lean towards these like lesser known characters. Like I don't have much Captain America. I don't have much Iron Man. Um, very little Avengers. Uh, however, I have collections of you know I have my collections of Thor. That's that's pretty much my big character. But I don't have, you know, it's like I have like one Hulk trade, and that's Planet Hulk. Um, for the most part my collections have been these, these really obscure characters and somehow that's fun for me. I don't know. I guess it's, I guess it's an interesting set. Maybe that's something I'll have to, uh, I'll have to dig into at another time to really discuss, you know, like what, you know, why is it that I like these obscure characters compared to the, the, the bigger ones that everybody likes? Maybe I'm just a hipster like that. I don't know. Um, so here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into this one because this is this is this is my take, and it's probably not gonna be like, but 
One of the biggest things that hurts DC is Superman himself. I think he's bland. He is probably the furthest from a compelling character 90% of the time to me. Um, Superman's stories tend to be better when it's not him fighting a villain. It's more of him fighting his his beliefs. Um, you know, if it's a story of, like, for example, uh, the movie Man of Steel hurt the Superman character so much by the way they killed Jonathan Kent with a tornado because Superman could have run out there and saved his father. What makes the original death of Jonathan Kent so powerful is it was something Superman could do nothing to save. His his father died of a heart attack. No matter how many, what powers he has, there's nothing he can do to stop time. You know, time, time is going to catch up to anybody he loves that's a human. So... And I think that that's why I don't like Superman is like, I mean, it's his, his stuff should, you know, to me is way better when he's, he's just too overpowered. And it's like, and that, and you know, maybe it's a cynical point of view, but I personally believe that absolute power corrupts absolutely. So, you know, reading something like, uh, I want to say it was irredeemable was the book that, uh, there was a an indie book called Irredeemable, which was basically a take on Superman, but it was if he snapped. And that felt way more realistic than anything Superman's ever been in his own book. Um, God dang it. Why do they have to do yard work right now? Um, you know, so that's... That, that hurts DC to me because, I mean, it's like, to me, it's like, why not if... If you've got this guy sitting in your back pocket... Why isn't he just the cure all for everything? Why not just okay? Well, Joker's attacking. Well, Batman just calls Superman, has Superman come over and kick their butt, and you know lock them away because there's nothing Joker could do to stop Superman. Um, which which brings me into, you know, the thing that really sucks is Lex Luthor. If they would ever do a Lex Luthor movie adaptation of what he is when he's the best in comics. Dude, he's one of the best villains that's ever been written to me. You know what I mean? Because the best villains are the heroes of their own story. And Lex Luthor is like the perfect example of that when he's written right. He is a guy that sees this alien threat with all these powers. And there's, you know, everybody's just blindly worshiping this guy. He's like, no, what happens if this guy turns? So yeah, he's he's a bad person, but his motives are almost are almost understandable. So it becomes that whole thing of you have that level of okay, what he's doing is wrong, the way he's going about it is wrong, but what he believes is almost right. And you don't have that with very many villains, DC or Marvel to me. Um most of the villains are are pretty one note, let's face it. Most villains in comics are, are not, they're not supposed to be extremely compelling. I mean, you, you get the, if you like, you know, Joker, Loki, um, you know, Lex Luthor, if he's done right. Um, but for the most part, villains are kind of just these bland characters that are designed to be, 
you know, just the foils for the, the true characters, the heroes. Um, but then every once in a while you get those ones that come off the, you know, come out of the, come out of nowhere. Like, um, there's a run of daredevil where purple man is the villain. And if you've watched the Jessica Jones series, he was the technically the villain in the first season. Um, but, uh, purple man has like all these, like you find out purple man, like basically create all these kids that have similar powers to him. And he becomes a really compelling character through that arc, even though he's not really much part of it, but it also maybe. Maybe a big part of that also goes to the fact that 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 entire run just was a great take on the battles of depression and anxiety. So it 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 hit home really well for me. Um, but yeah, there's, there's just I guess you know, and that's kind of a rabbit hole I just went down. You know, starting with talking about Superman and going into you know the villains, but you know, let, let's lean into this. You know, which side has better villains? Um, I I don't know. I mean, you know, with, with truly compelling villains, I think it's almost a wash. Cause I mean, with DC, you know what Joker and Joker and Lex Luthor, your two big ones. I mean, other than that, you just have all these other characters that are kind of just there to, you know, just cause havoc and give a reason for these superheroes to do what they do. Um, but you know, I'll give I'll give some credit to Joker. I mean, he's a he's a compelling villain, but that's that's two villains. You know, Joker and Joker and Super or uh, Lex Luthor. But once again, they're only compelling villains in certain situations. I mean, the Joker, if you didn't have him as that foil to Batman, I don't think the Joker becomes as as compelling of a character because I mean, I think what makes Joker where what he is is he is the opposite side of Batman. You know, you can't have Batman without the Joker. You can't have Joker without the Batman. And that gives it an interesting feel. And, you know, yeah, the, the best Joker in, in many ways is very much the the character they create in Dark Knight. You know, this person who, you, you know, you don't know who or what he was before he was the Joker. But he's just this agent of chaos. I mean, that's all he's there for is just watch the world burn. I mean, he he makes all those plans just to kill all the boss, you know, to like extort the bosses for that money just to burn the money and kill off the, the mob bosses because he can. Um, you know, he just wants to prove that the whole world is as crazy as he is. But at the same time, it's, you know... Truly, you know, once Joker is dead, I couldn't see Batman even being as compelling. I mean, Batman's got some good stories, but there's always the 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 threat of the Joker is where his his books shine to me. I mean, he's he's this character who he's sworn not to kill, but if he could, if he would just bring himself to kill the Joker, how many lives would he save in that situation? That kind of gives an interesting dynamic. You know, then you get to Superman and Lex Luthor. Would Lex Luthor be a good villain for Batman? I don't think so, because it's just a human versus a human. And Lex Luthor, I couldn't see standing up to Batman's just brutality. Where you put him against Superman, he becomes compelling. Because once again, he's this human who sees this incredible threat to his, his people and his planet. 
and everybody's worshiping this threat. So he's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to defend my, you know, defend my family, my, my people. Um, and that's what makes him who he is. Uh, so yeah, I guess, you know, I'd say there's, you know, but then on Marvel's side, I mean, what are the really compelling villains? Um, Magneto, you know, as long as you have him in the right situation is a really compelling villain. Um, you, know, you you can't argue the the great chemistry I guess there is between the the views of Charles Xavier to to Magneto. I mean, you have Charles sees hope where Magneto just sees purely you know, we're we're the next step and these people are never going to accept us. So why if we're going to be portrayed as monsters, why not be the monsters they portray us as? And, you know, until really recently Loki wasn't the villain that he is now. I mean, he became a he became a compelling villain through the cinematic universe and them really exploring what you can do with a trickster god. Um But I mean, you know, Thanos, I I, I kind of feel Thanos is a a one-note character, and I'm really kind of glad they didn't, you know, try to shoehorn any more Thanos after Infinity War slash Endgame. I mean, it's a, it was a good story and he, you know, he, he's had his stories pop up where they're really good, but I really kind of feel like he's just meh in the long run. I mean, he, he's great for a, a quick, a quick arc where you need to have the heroes come together to fight him and then just dispel him again for a little while and, you know, come back to him later at some point in time, I guess. Um, Kang, who appears to be the next big bad they're bringing into the MCU. I could see him bringing some fun, but once again, I couldn't see him being like a regular villain that just constantly keeps, you know, keeps a compelling storyline. I mean, I haven't, I haven't read enough to really see what people have explored with him. Um, but I really think, you know, the most compelling they've done with Kang was the introduction of Iron Lad and the Young Avengers, where you find out he's basically a younger version of Kang who's trying to fight against his nature. Um, yeah, so I, I, I really feel like villains for the most part, you know, they're just, they're, they're more of written as a, a reason for the story than to have any real depth. And it's, that, that's kind of sad to say, because I, I like to have a good villain every now and then, you know, who's, Who's not to, I mean, like, you know, I've played many video games where they give you the good and the bad options. And while there's some of them, I can't, there's some bad options I could never bring myself to do. You know, Rex has never been killed in Mass Effect by me. The one time I brought myself to do it, I instantly deleted that save and went back to before I did it and fixed it because I just couldn't leave Rex dead. But, you know, it's fun to play the villain every now and then. So... Why is it that not neither of them can really comic book wise do a good villain? Hmm. Man, it's something else I'll have to explore at some point in time. Um I have on here I wanted to talk about the crossovers and the amalgam universe. Uh they're they're hit and miss me. I, I've never read the crossover between DC and Marvel, and I kinda never do because it introduces the idea that Frickin' Superman can pick up Thor's hammer, and for some reason to me that's just inconceivable because, or not inconceivable, maybe inconceivable is the wrong word. 
I keep using that word. It does not mean what I think it means. Um, but it, it just it's stupid to me because one, Superman has been proven to be he's immune to or he's not immune to magic. He's weak to magic, and Thor's hammer is completely magical. Therefore, that that magic would negate any abilities he has. Therefore, he would. I don't. It, just to me, it's stupid to think that. Superman ever held the hammer. Mjolnir would never go to that stupid bland Boy Scout. And now you hear my nerd rage. Um, the Amalgam universe is fun for what it is. You know, it was basically just someone got the rights to mash up characters. So they ended up with like Dark Claw, which was Batman meets Wolverine. Um, they did Thorion, which was Thor and Orion t- combined together. Um, God, they did like, I think it was like Speed Demon, which was Flash and Ghost Rider. You had the Iron Lantern, which was uh, Green Lantern and Iron Man mashed up. And they were there were some weird ones. I think the other one that was fun was Bullets and Bracelets, which was Diana Prince as she wasn't, pretty much as she wasn't Wonder Woman in a way, and Punisher teamed up. Um, and I remember that one being really fun just for the strangeness of it. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I still haven't read enough of those. I really can't say anything that, um, say anything on either of them really well. So I don't know why I even put that in my notes, but there you go. This, this is me rambling. Um, when we get to events, um, I've never been a huge fan of the event books. Um, I've read some of them that I've really liked. You know, Civil War was great as long as you think about what was going on in the world at the time to, you know, kind of go alongside it. I liked Fear Itself. It was a bit of a meh. I mean, it it had its hokey moments and it had stuff that didn't make sense. And it really didn't nail the landing. But I had fun with it because it was based around the Asgardian universe. So, you know, what could go wrong, right? Um... Where DC, like, I don't think I've ever read any of their, fully read any of their event books. Because, I mean, I know, like, you know, they did their, they've done all their different, uh, oh, God, like, uh, multiverse books that really just, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths, and really they had a bunch of crises. Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, I think they did, do, they did, like, you know, Identity Crisis, you know, all these, they've had all these final crisis. They did all these books and it's just like, none of them ever appealed to me because it just seemed like they were basically just them unable to make up their mind on whether they want to have a multiverse or not. Because one of them would bring back the multiverse and the next one would completely shut it down to they only have one world. Which, the way DC's gathered their characters, I wish they'd just go to a you know, like no continuity, no physical continuity between of them. Cause I mean, like they've, they've bought so many characters over the years and they've folded them into their universe to the point that now you have, you know, yeah, the, the JSA were originally a completely different comic publisher, but then they then made them later when they started combining stuff, they made them part of like, they're the 1940s version of the justice league and whatever. Or when, when I it might not have been 1940s, but they were like an earlier version of the Justice League, essentially. And I'm like, okay, 
Um, so yeah, I guess it's, I mean both both books have messed with you know the whole multiverse kind of thing. Hell, I mean MCU's leaning pretty heavily into it right now with you know the the whole thing of uh, Far From Home pody much opening up the multiverse for the MCU proper, but then Loki was all about the multiverse and protecting timelines. Um, yeah, so I, I guess I've, I've, I've rambled, so I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut it off here. Um, I'm just gonna say once again, Marvel's my favorite, but I, I can't see anything wrong with supporting DC if that's your jam. I mean, I, I'm, I'm one of those people, you know, like what you like, just don't be a dick to people about it. In the word, you know, or, well, I guess that was kind of the words of, uh, Brian Zane, one of my favorite YouTubers, uh, yeah, like what you like, don't be a dick. Um, but yeah, so that, I think I'm just going to wrap it up here and say, uh, do my usual thanks to everyone out there who's listening or, you know, a supporter of me through knowing me, uh, you know, and, you know, that's, you know, this, this is, this is my thing, you know, uh, So yeah, thanks for listening. And if you want to get a hold of me, my I have an email at standstrongcast at gmail.com. Feel free to message me with any thoughts, comments, uh, questions, ideas for topics. Um, let me know if you prefer DC or Marvel. Let me know if you think I'm completely wrong on my judgment of Superman being a bland character or the fact that there are no really great villains except for a few in certain situations. Um, yeah, let me know what you think. Once again, standstrongcast at gmail.com. So I guess I will uh, be back at you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.